Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. In the spotlight on Money FM 89.3. Now, in the face of skyrocketing inflation and increasing economic volatility, retirement and wealth planning have become more front of mind in intergenerational wealth transfer, particularly as Asia is seeing a shift of wealth between generations over the next few decades. Yet, a recent survey by wealth management groups in James's Place, Singapore, found that more than half of Singaporeans, about 54% in the age range of between 45 and 64, have not considered planning for their retirement. And this is despite 75% saying that the fallout of COVID-19 has made them more concerned about this. So why is this happening and what to do about it? Well, Gary Harvey, CEO of St. James's Place, Singapore, joins us to tell us more. Hi, Gary. Hi, how are you? Okay, so let's start first things first with why. Why is this happening? Why are people not taking action? Well, I think there's a couple of things at, at play here. Firstly, I think it's a lack of awareness of why there is a need to plan. And this can have come from us not realising how retirement has changed since uh, previous generations. You know, people are living longer. Average age of uh, longevity in Singapore is uh, 83 and a half years. Greatly improved medical care means that we're all healthier in retirement. And that leads us to having a more active retirement for longer and with different retirement goals. So not only do people need to plan longer, but we need more money in retirement to have the retirement that we that we desire. Secondly, um, in the survey, 57% of people said they lacked a full understanding of the financial products. Mm. And, and for me, it's uh, important to understand how the financial products work in your financial plan, not just how they work. And and, uh, quickly, lastly, um, the CPS provides a great base for our retirements. Uh, But it's important, I think, to have a plan that matches your own personal retirement goals. So that's the thing. How does one get started? Because, you know, what you said about how a lot of people say they don't fully understand financial products and services, it is understandable, isn't it? Some of this stuff is in legalese and gobbledygook. Shouldn't something be done about that so that more people are more open to plan in that manner to make use of some of these instruments? Yeah, look, I don't think the financial services industry has had a, a great um history of particularly plain English in, in explaining. And I think that it sort of leads nicely on from my last point. It's really having somebody as a trusted financial advisor that can, can help you not just understand the array of products available to you, but how they work. Um, I, do, I do agree that uh, they can be some somewhat legally. The trick is making them simple mm. and looking for... Uh, simple solutions to match complex problems of financial planning. Now, your survey also found that 63% of Singaporeans in that age group say they lack understanding on how to manage intergenerational wealth transfer effectively. 65% don't even understand the tax implications that they face. How complex really is this? And how can people be made to understand and manage this better? Yeah, well, look, I, I actually think it's it's actually at its simplest level. It is intergenerational wealth is um, about what do you want your money to do when you're no longer around? And in many respects, it's no different to other aspects of financial planning like retirement. But I think the difference is it is full of very personal and emotional issues. Uh, 
Um, mm. and, and in a very early stage, um, intergenerational wealth is as simple as having a will and protecting your family. Uh, and having that will is really vital for, 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 for reasons uh, you know, that I'm sure we all understand. But it's really about making sure your money gets to the right people efficiently and quickly. Sometimes it can be regarded as a bit of a taboo subject, yeah. talk about uh, intergenerational wealth. And as I said earlier, it's very personal and emo- emotional. But the the earlier you start to think about this, um, the better. And that's, again, where I, I do think financial advice comes in because it can help explain the financial components that sit around what, in essence, is a very emotional subject. There's a huge sociological dimension to this, isn't there? I mean, the taboo. <laughs> Some have argued that one of the things fueling the taboo in certain countries more than in others is that, for example, in Singapore, funeral companies are made to operate from industrial parks in far-flung places. There is a school of thought that you should bring all of these types of infrastructure to the forefront to normalize death in a way. What's your perspective on this? Because even before they can get to planning or writing a will, they've got to be willing to talk about it more openly, right? Yeah, I, th- I think part of talking about it openly is understanding the implications of not talking about it. Mm. Um, yeah, one of the uh, one of the factors that was highlighted in, in, in our survey was um, that uh, 59% of people actually said that wealth and succession planning was a source of stress for them. Mm. So they're already recognizing that. And 55% of people said that they felt that succession and wealth planning was likely to cause disharmony in the family. Um, so dealing with those issues when um, you're still alive is, is much more important, I think, than... Um, than waiting until you're no longer around when you're not there to explain yourself. All you might have is, is a will that will do the talking for you. Right. Of course, some people say, you know what, I don't want to deal with it, so I'll let others deal with it after I'm gone, which is not quite the responsible thing to do. I mean, But simplify this for us. Making a will is not that difficult, is it? I mean, these days you can even go online and make one. Yeah, look, it, you're absolutely right. It, it's not that complex. But what I would say is it's important that you deal with actually someone that is a professional in this area because there are many instances of, uh, you know, a, a will not quite doing what you think it would do. And, and sort of as I alluded to earlier, you're you're not around after, at a time when those uh, issues are being dealt with to say, actually, that's not what I meant. Mm. Give me an example of what could go wrong in making a will that can still be open to misinterpretation. Well, I think probably the simplest uh, example there would, would be that um, when you get married, um, a will... Um, any any will you have in place is um, null and void. You, you start afresh. But ironically, when you get divorced, uh, any will that you had in place uh, remains in place until you change it. Right, right. So not too many people, I think, would be aware of this. Probably, probably right. Yeah, that's why I say, you know, to get professional advice in in, in this area. I'm not a professional in this, so I wouldn't write my own will. Mm, right, right. Uh, At what age should one do? Because a lot of people also tell me, look, I'm young. I don't have a lot to give. Maybe just a few thousand dollars in my bank account. Do I really need a will? Well, uh, 
back to understanding the the the, um, the consequences of not having one. Uh, if you don't have one, then then obviously you you will um, your your matters will be distributed according to the to the laws of Singapore. But that may not be what you want to happen. So um, even early on in your in your life, when you don't feel you have many assets or a complex situation, um, I, I'd recommend that people still have a will. Right. And as you build more assets, you're probably going to have to update that will, right? Yeah, look, I, I think you should, you know, a bit like you would review your, you know, your your financial situation probably once a year or depending upon your situation, maybe, you know, more or less frequently. You should do the same thing with, with, your, with your will, have things change. Children get born, grandchildren get born. You know, your, if you want to give money to a philanthropic cause when you... Um, when you pass away, um, your your preferences may change that you want to give to a different charity. So it should be something that you think about reviewing fairly regularly. Now, earlier you mentioned the importance of getting advice from a professional if you need it. The thing is, despite uncertainties and a lack of preparedness in retirement and in terms of wealth planning, 82% of Singaporeans approaching retirement have actually sought financial advice before making major decisions. 90% say that the professional financial advice they have received is useful, but only 56% finally engaged a financial advisor to manage their investments. What is the reason behind this? So there's a couple of reasons that come through from the survey. Uh, I think 41% feel they can manage their own um, investments efficiently. Some other people feel that um, uh, advice is only for the wealthy or it's expensive. And I think a a small percentage uh, don't trust others to manage. I I think what I'd say in in that area is what financial advice does, it provides objectivity um, and yeah, there's often a lot of emotion that sit around our investments, you know, our hard-earned money that we uh, that we build up, um, and sometimes those emotions can get the better of us. For example, in market volatility, um, where in our emotions, even my own, might tell us that we should sell, um, but when we're investing for a 30-year time horizon for our retirement, you know, really what happens today is inconsequential. But the objectivity that, and that a trusted advisor, and I emphasize that word trusted financial advisor, brings, um, can give you better outcomes and understanding and different opinions over time. The thing is, families are also changing as times change. Compared to 30, 40 years ago, today we're seeing things such as second marriages, second families. What is the model for these types of individuals who are in these situations? Well, look, that is a really good observation. And another form of complexity, by the way, that we see is the increasing level of things like cross-border marriages and assets where mm. those complexities can bring in unforeseen uh, challenges or issues, like, for example, if you own an overseas property. But having said that, the fundamental aspects of planning are, are the same. We just need to deal with a few more factors in there, reflecting the, the different family structures and things that may happen. Again, your point on wills, it's the same here. Frequent reviews are very important because circumstances do change. It's not a you know, one-and-done type, type approach. And I think you know, these factors and reviewing them applies as much to our lifetime financial planning as it does to intergenerational financial planning.
How do you think people can be convinced to finally begin doing all of these things? I know you've said several times that, you know, you've got to talk to people about the consequences of not doing these things. But beyond that, you know, since it is a very emotional issue, to tell them, really, this is part of life. Death is also part of life. Let's start planning for all of this. Well, that's a million-dollar question, isn't it? How you get people going uh, down this path. Um, there's, there's a number of very high-profile cases. Uh, I think the, the famous Goose restaurant in Hong Kong would be one of them where the lack of um, you know, correct intergenerational planning has caused both family problems and, um, and, and challenges with the restaurant. Um, so I, I think you to, to look elsewhere and, and get that motivation. But the place to start is really to have a conversation with your loved ones. Thanks very much for that, Gary. You know, in fact, people also do need to be reminded to make their CPF nominations. That's not difficult to do, actually. And the CPF board does send out reminders. So I think that's another thing that people forget, that actually your CPF funds are not included in a will, right? That's a separate thing altogether. Yeah, look, I, I think the um, CPF is a really good base. Uh, they do 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 a lot to make sure people uh, make those nominations. So, uh, yeah, I think I think encourage everybody to do that. And it's the sort of thing that um, you know a good financial advisor can remind you to do and make sure you've done. Right. Thank you very much for that, Gary. Gary Harvey, CEO of wealth management firm St James's Place, Singapore. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.